nearer. Isaiah chapter 11 and Revelation chapter 5. We're going to look to the word of the Lord. I'm going to turn your attention first to the book of Revelation chapter 5. I want to read to you just a couple of verses of scripture. Revelation 5 and verse number 5. One of the elders saith unto me, Weep not. Behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, hath prevailed to open the book and to loose the seven seals thereof. And I beheld, and lo, in the midst of the throne and of the four beasts, and in the midst of the elders stood a lamb as it had been slain, having seven horns and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God sent forth into all the earth. Isaiah chapter 11. And I want to read to you just a few verses of scripture from Isaiah chapter 11 beginning with verse number 1. We've heard about the seven spirits of the Lord. But now we're going to see them actually listed in Isaiah chapter 11. There shall come forth a rod of, out of the stem of Jesse. And a branch shall grow out of his roots. And the spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him. The spirit of wisdom and understanding. The spirit of counsel and might. The spirit of knowledge and of the fear of the Lord. And shall make him of quick understanding in the fear of the Lord. He shall not judge after the sight of his eyes. Neither reprove after the hearing of his ears. But with righteousness shall he judge the poor. And reprove with equity for the meek of the earth. And he shall smite the earth with the rod of his mouth. And with the breath of his lips shall he slay the wicked. I want to speak to you this morning on this subject. The sevening of the saints. The sevening of the saints. Could we just lift up our voices unto God and ask his blessing upon the preaching of his word today. Lord, I thank you for your word, and I thank you for every individual that is here. I thank you that we can gather together in your presence and feel after you. Lord, that we can be in this place hearing you, receiving from you. Lord, I pray that you will pour out the Holy Ghost upon us. We give you praise today for everything you have done, everything you are doing, and everything that shall be done in Jesus' name. Let your anointing flow through the preaching of the word. And to your people and from your people, we give you praise for it today in Jesus' name. And everybody said, in Jesus' name, Jesus name. Amen. amen and amen. God bless you. You may be seated in the name of the Lord. If I were to ask you today to pick a number between 1 and 10. The spiritual people would know which number to pick. <laughs> and the reason is because we have long known that there's something special about that number seven. We don't even really take the time to think about why. We just, we just know. When, and somebody might ask you, say, you know, what's so special about some, number seven? And you'll say, well, because it's God's perfect number. God's special number. And, and so we need to understand what we mean by that. What do we mean God's perfect number? Because there are a lot of good numbers in the word of God. And they, and they really do mean things. And, and they represent things. And they have origins as to why they are significant. So it's important as we delve into this that we know what we're saying and why we're saying it. And the reality is that there's nothing, there's nothing mystical about the number seven. There's nothing mystical about it. You're not going to... You're not going to be better off if everything you do is in sevens. We can sometimes over-spiritualize things and over-sensationalize things. And so we can take things as signs from God that really are just not necessarily that. Have you ever gone to Chick-fil-A and ordered a six-count nuggets? And the Holy Ghost just slips a seventh nugget in that little container. And now you know, this is the day that the Lord has made. Amen. And you just, you're not sure why, but there's just something special about that feeling. And, and so we, but, but the reality is, is we're not superstitious about it. 
It's not mystical. It's not to be, it's not to be exalted. The number is not to be exalted. It's not, it's not uh, mystical in its presentation, but it does represent something. And so in the scriptures, it emerges over and over again, and it's impossible to ignore. There are times when it is mentioned and it is designated and dedicated for certain purposes. And in order to symbolize a certain thing, prophets would even prescribe seven of a certain action. And the Lord would even prescribe seven of a certain gathering. And, and the whole purpose of it was to symbolize something that exists in the heavens. And so I want to talk to you about that. It emerges throughout the word of the Lord. We see that in the tabernacle there are seven golden candlesticks. In Proverbs chapter 17, there are seven pillars of wisdom. There are seven feasts of the Lord. There were seven churches of Asia minor in the book of Revelation. There were seven stars in the hands of him who walked among the seven golden candlesticks. Jesus made seven statements while hanging on the cross. There is something significant about seven. And perhaps the granddaddy of them all are the seven days of creation. Each day representing something very significant. Each day accomplishing something very important. And, and even that seventh day was so vital to the symbolism that God was prescribing as he created the earth. It was so significant that he then told us to make sure that we labor for six straight days and that we take a seventh day to rest. He said, I, it's important that you labor for six days and that you rest on a seventh day. And, and, and not only did he tell Israel this, but he said, you need to labor for six days and rest on the seventh day. And every seven weeks, there's something significant after seven weeks has been accomplished. And then there's something significant after seven years has been accomplished. And then there's something significant about... Seven years being accomplished seven times, being 49 years. And going into a 50th year, you're entering into a year of jubilee. It was just all throughout the scriptures, God was letting them know seven is the completion of a thing. That's why we call it God's perfect number. He created the earth in six days, and on the seventh day, he rested. And this was the completion of the thing that he had Created, And so it's important for us to recognize that when the Bible brings seven into the equation, it's completing something. But where did this come from? Why? Why are there seven golden candlesticks? And why are there seven stars in the right hand of him who walks among the seven golden candlesticks? And why are there seven feasts of the Lord and seven pillars of wisdom? And, and, and why are there seven days that are in the days of creation? And I mentioned it last week, and Brother Johnson mentioned it to me, that the, the week is a significant thing because of the, it, the fact that it, it just is fit in there by God as the pure prerogative of God to establish His completion of a thing. I submit to you that our earliest recollection or earliest reference to this idea of seven is found in the heavens. And that's where you'll find everything that matters. You'll find it in the heavens. The things that are invisible are just simply representing the things that are invisible. The things that are invisible are clearly witnessed by the things that are made. Even his eternal power and Godhead. And so when you look into the heavens, you see where seven is significant. It's significant in relationship to the Lamb of God. Because the Bible says that the Lamb of God has seven eyes. Seven eyes. And those seven eyes are the seven spirits of God. Now we know that the Lord our God is one Lord. And we know that He is the Holy Spirit. So when the Bible refers to seven spirits, it's not referring to seven different entities. It's referring to the seven breaths of God. The pneuma. And this is the sevenfold expression of one spirit of God. 
And so when God breathes, there are seven things that are accomplished when the breath of God comes forth. As the Spirit of God begins to move, there are seven things that are achieved and there are seven things that occur. And these things, when they occur, complete a thing. So it begins as we read, and we can go ahead and put this on the a screen, the seven spirits of God or the seven pneuma of God, the seven expressions of God's spirit. We see it represented in Isaiah chapter 11, where that the Bible says that there shall arise a rod out of the stem of Jesse, a branch shall grow out of his roots. And then begins to describe how that the spirit of the Lord will be upon him. We recognize that at Jesus' baptism in the Jordan River, this is exactly what happened. The Holy Spirit descended like a dove. And it remained on him. It rested on him. It remained on him. And this was symbolic of the fact that the Spirit of the Lord is upon this anointed one. And it is a confirmation and a fulfillment of Isaiah chapter 11. So follow me if you will. Verse number 2 of Isaiah 11. The Spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him. That is, the, that is the fact that the Spirit of God comes upon him. And as the Spirit of God comes upon him, he begins to operate in the sevenfold expression of the Spirit of God. Number one being the Spirit of the Lord. The Spirit of wisdom. The Spirit of understanding. The Spirit of counsel. The Spirit of might or strength. The spirit of knowledge and the spirit of the fear of the Lord. This is the, this is the sevenfold activity that is occurring in the life and the ministry of Jesus Christ. This is what he meant when he said, as he stood in the synagogue, the spirit of the Lord is upon me. Because he hath anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor to deliver them that are bound, to proclaim liberty to them that are bruised, to preach deliverance to the captive, to open the eyes of the blind, to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. This is what he meant when he said that. He was saying that the spirit of the Lord is now at work in the earth. And when the Spirit of the Lord begins to work in the earth, there is from the Spirit of the Lord wisdom and understanding and counsel and strength and knowledge and the fear of the Lord. I want to read to you some things from the book of Proverbs to just help, help us to take a look at what happened on that day of creation. Because the Bible says, in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. And the earth was without form and void. And darkness was upon the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. Now we know that the Spirit of God is one Spirit. But there is a sevenfold expression that comes from the Spirit of God. The Spirit of God Himself. But as the Spirit of God begins to move, wisdom and understanding and counsel and strength and knowledge and the fear of the Lord begins to move as the Spirit of God begins to move. It's not just an elusive breath or a vague act or some kind of an invisible thing that you can't feel or touch. But no, when the Spirit of God begins to move, there are things that begin to happen. Counsel is distributed. Might is increased. Wisdom is imparted. Understanding is multiplied. And, and, and the fear of the Lord begins to settle in upon his people. So when the Spirit of God began to move upon the face of the waters, I want you to know that encoded all throughout creation was wisdom and counsel and might and understanding and knowledge and the fear of the Lord. Proverbs chapter 3 and verse 19. The writer Solomon is referring back to the days of creation. And as he refers back to the days of creation, he lists the seven spirits of God or the seven expressions of God's spirit. 
Proverbs 3, 19. The Lord by wisdom, there's one, hath founded the earth by understanding. There's one, hath he established the heavens by his knowledge. The depths are broken up and the clouds drop down the dew. Proverbs chapter 8 and verse number 12. If you will look there with me. Proverbs chapter 8 and verse 12. We see again the seven spirits of God represented as the wise man Solomon is describing the beginning of all things. I wisdom dwell with prudence and find out knowledge of witty inventions. The fear of the Lord is to hate evil, pride and arrogancy and the evil way and the froward mouth do I hate. Counsel is mine and sound wisdom. I am understanding. I have strength. Oh, hallelujah. Verse 22, he explains, The Lord possessed me in the beginning of his way, before his works of old. I was set up from everlasting, from the beginning, or ever the earth was. When there were no depths, I was brought forth. When there were no fountains abounding with water, before the mountains were settled, before the hills was I brought forth, while as yet he had not made the earth nor the fields nor the highest part of the dust of the world when he prepared the heavens I was there this is the spirit of the Lord talking this is wisdom understanding might counsel the fear of the Lord talking and what the spirit of the Lord is saying he's saying before he formed a mountain I was moving upon this earth before he formed the hills and established the floods the understanding and the wisdom of God was in place that's why the Bible said that he is the lamb slain from the foundation of the world this means that from the very foundation of the world God was going to slay a lamb God was going to be manifest in human flesh God was going to come down into this earth and operate as a human being and set us at liberty from the sin that binds us set us at liberty from the death that had a chokehold on us before he did anything he was going to make sure there was a redemptive plan in place Amen. Amen. Hey, I want you to understand something. When he created you and I, he put us in his image. And by making us in his image, he gave us something called the freedom of will. And this freedom of will belongs to us because we are made in the image of God. If we did not have a free will, we would not be made in the image of God. God has a free will. God can do whatever God wants to do. That's what makes his grace so amazing. Because he chooses to love us. He chooses to show mercy to us. He chooses to save us. But when God made us in his image and gave us the freedom of will, now all of a sudden he knows that we are going and have the opportunity opportunity to use that freedom of will to turn against him so before he created us in his image hallelujah he made a plan for him to bring us back into that image that's the wisdom of God that's the understanding of God that's the knowledge of God that's the counsel of God that's why the Bible says that he created all things after the counsel of his own will that's why Christ is made unto us wisdom and redemption and sanctification and righteousness he is the wisdom of God yes sir Hallelujah. And when you look upon Jesus, you're looking upon a perfect man. 
you're looking upon a man who's perfect in his motive. You're looking upon a man who is perfect in his ways. You're looking upon a man who is perfect in his love. His love is not jaded like your love and my love. His, his love is not tainted by his human emotion. But his love is an agape love. That's perfect love. And that perfect love casts out fear. He's the perfect lamb of God. He's the perfect high priest. He's the perfect sacrifice. He's the perfect tabernacle. He's the perfect substitute. His blood is perfect blood. His image is a perfect image. Uh, I do not bring you some flawed individual with good intentions. I bring to you the perfect Christ. I give to you Jesus the Christ, the Lamb of God, the only begotten Son of the living God who takes away the sins of the world. Perfect in all of his ways. Hallelujah. And, he, and we are made in his image. That's who we are made in the image of. And we fall so short of it. But here's the thing. God sent forth his spirit to perfect us. To complete us. To begin to operate in us. And as he operates in us, he's developing in us. That spirit of Christ, that image of God, he makes us pure and he makes us holy. Hallelujah. If you're here today and you have not yet repented from your sins, you should repent from your sins. You're not going to get anything done as long as you remain in your sin. Your sin is what has hamstrung you. Your sin is what has debilitated you. Your sin is what prevents you from being all that God has in mind for you. Repent from your sins and be baptized in the perfect name, the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. And you shall receive the Holy Ghost. And when that Holy Ghost gets inside of you, the Holy Ghost begins to operate in you and pro pro produce wisdom and knowledge and understanding and strength and counsel and the fear of the Lord. Hallelujah. It doesn't happen all at once. Don't get it mixed up. No, when you come into Christ, you're a newborn babe. We've got to understand that about our walk with God. We don't just get the Holy Ghost and then all of a sudden we got everything all figured out. No, no. You're as newborn babes desiring the sincere milk of the word. You've got to be humble when you're living for God. And the longer you live for him, the more humble you're going to be. It, it, listen, it's not one of these things where you start out as a baby and then all of a sudden you grow into a great scholar and you are, and now you're over and superior to everybody. No, no. The longer you live for him, the lower you go. And your faith never stops being like that of a child. Hallelujah. The more he perfects you, the more understanding you get, the more wisdom that is multiplied, the more humble you become. Oh, hallelujah. It's, it's an amazing thing that happens. It's an amazing thing that happens. The apostle Paul started out by saying, I am the least of the apostles. You got all these great apostles and he said, and I'm one of them. But he said, I am the least of the apostles. He writes a little further and says, I am the least of all the saints. Wait a minute. I thought you're growing in Christ. Yeah, and the more I grow in him, I realize I'm the least of the apostles. But the more my understanding is developed, I realize I'm, I'm the least, not just of the apostles, but of all the saints. My God, have mercy. By the time he's writing his last epistles, he said, I was the chiefest of sinners. He starts, to see, he starts to recognize that the longer I go and the more I grow, the more I realize that, that I, I, I am solely and 100% dependent upon the blood of Jesus Christ. I, I, I have nothing without him. You can strip my God. If you don't know that yet, you've got some growing to do. I said, if you don't know that yet, You've got some growing to do. 
if you think if you think it's because of your goodness and because of your excellent willpower and your phenomenal discipline that you're going to get to heaven you better hear what i'm telling you it's not about your willpower it's about his willpower no no understand what i'm saying are you saying, Brother Urshan, that I don't need to, to, to have a will toward God? No, 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 no. See, the more you grow in Christ, you'll understand what I'm saying. I'm saying that your will becomes completely surrendered to his will. And all of a sudden, you do a, you do a good deed and you resist a temptation and you don't get the credit for it. Because you have an understanding that it wasn't you, it was him. It's not you, it's his spirit. <laughs> Listen, he said, be ye holy for I am holy. If he's not holy, you can't be holy. You can only be holy because he's holy. Therefore, it's not your holiness, it's his holiness. So any holiness that comes from you, you don't get the credit for it. Nobody, my God, nobody praises your name. We don't walk into this house and say, blessed be the name of whoever you are. We say, blessed be the name of Jesus. Glory. Now, again, don't misunderstand me. I'm going to be holy. Not because I am, but because he is. So it's the best of both worlds. I, I, I'm, able to, I'm able to be holy and not get proud about it. Because I'm not responsible for it. No, no, I don't get any credit for it, but I still get to live the lifestyle that produces peace and joy and everlasting hope and love. Now, I want, I want, I want to help us understand this number seven where it fits into the equation because the Bible says that the Lord swear unto Abraham. He swear unto Abraham. And that word swear is, it actually means to seven oneself. To seven oneself. So when the Bible says the Lord swear unto Abraham, it, it actually means that the Lord was sevening himself to Abraham. In other words, the Lord, as soon as the word came out of his mouth, it was as good as done. It was finished. It was complete. It was a sevening in the word that he spoke. This is why as soon as the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters in Genesis 1, God said, let there be light. And there was light because the Spirit was moving and the word was coming forth. It is completing the thing. And when the Lord spoke it to Abraham, it wasn't a question of whether it was going to happen. It was already done. All Abraham had to do was to walk in it because the Lord swear unto him. The Lord sevened the word. The word was replete with wisdom and understanding and counsel and knowledge. Oh my God. Come on now. This is why when the prophet spoke, the Bible says that the Holy Spirit moved them as they spake the word of God. The prophecy in old time came not by the will of man, but by holy men of old. They spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. That Holy Ghost moved upon those prophets in the same way the Holy Ghost moved upon the face of the waters. And as soon as the word came out of the prophet's mouths, it was done. A virgin shall conceive and bring forth a son. And his name shall be called Emmanuel, God with us. Because the word, the word, the Holy Ghost was moving. That means the word is sevened. It was a swear of God. And he can swear by no greater, so he swore by himself. In other words, I'm not going to leave this up to anybody else to accomplish. I'm going to do it. I'm going to become the man. I'm going to become the man that takes your sins away. Hallelujah. So you see in the Old Testament, there were times where seven was very significant. 
And, and the, the reason was because of its teaching properties. It was, it was used for symbolism to, to illustrate, yes, this is a completed thing. And, and, and the completed thing is Jesus. So, so the prophets were, and the Lord were, were using this number seven. The Lord was using this number seven to let people know in a roundabout way, it's going to be Jesus who brings the fulfillment of what you're experiencing right now. So when Naaman is a Syrian captain and he can't get rid of the leprosy that's in his body and he goes to the prophet Elisha and the prophet Elisha doesn't even meet with him. He sends Gehazi his servant and, and Gehazi says to, to the prophet or to the captain Naaman, he said, go dip seven times in the Jordan River. So Naaman says, that sounds terrible. I don't want to go to the Jordan River. I've got beautiful, crystal clear rivers in my homeland. Why would I go to your dirty old river and dip seven times? And, and the point was that there is a symbolism in the act that Naaman was going to be taken. Now, we don't, we don't have to do all the symbolism in the New Testament because Jesus is the substance of what the symbol was. So don't think you've got to go dip seven times in order to... No, no, the seven is completed in Christ. But, but in the Old Testament, the symbolism was still being used as a teaching method. So Naaman goes down to the Jordan River and he dips one time and he comes up and he's like, this is ridiculous. He dips a second time and he's like, I don't want to be here. He dips a third time and he's like, I told them nothing was going to happen. He dips the fourth time and the fifth and the sixth time and nothing is occurring. But on the seventh time, the Bible says that his flesh was like that of a child. What a picture of salvation. Because when he completed the thing, completed the act of obedience, his flesh went back to what it was as a child before there was ever a scar, before there was ever a laceration, before there was ever acne, before there was ever a blemish, before there was ever a mole, before there was ever a wart, before there was ever a sunspot. Everything that he'd ever experienced in life, all of it was washed away in the completion of the thing. My God. Sometimes you wonder why God has you going through what you're going through. And I've come to tell you just be obedient and let God do what God does. Let the Spirit work in you. You go down one time and you might think it's ridiculous, but He's adding counsel. And you go down another time and you think it's ridiculous, but He's adding strength. You go down another time and you come up with wisdom. You go down another time, you come up with understanding. You go, my God. Sometimes you don't think you can get your head above water but my God, you just keep being obedient to God Thank you, Jesus. tree of life God is working a work in us and he that had begun a good work in you I didn't want to go down in the Jordan River I didn't want to have to go through COVID, but I came out of it with strength. I didn't want to, I didn't want to have to, I didn't want to have to go through the inconvenience and the disturbance we've experienced in this building program, but I've got more wisdom. I've got more understanding. Counsel is mine, the Bible says. God's adding something to you. You're stronger than you used to be. You're wiser than you used to be. I said you're stronger. You're wiser. You have more knowledge than you used to have. The trials of life are an interesting thing because you don't ever want to go through it again, but you would never trade who you are for who you were. I don't want to have to go through it again, but I'm glad for who I am now because I have some understanding I didn't used to have. I have some strength I didn't use. I can get through some stuff, Brother Terry, that I wasn't able to get used to, get through before, but I've been down in the water. I came up with a new name. I came up with greater strength. Something about that sevening. It's a perfecting. That's the work of the fivefold ministry. 
Hallelujah, apostles and prophets and pastors and teachers and evangelists. Praise the Lord. The Bible says that they are for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, and for the perfecting of the saints. This is the sevening of the saints. It is to seven you. That's all that's happening. Just let God do it. Just let God do it. Let God fitly frame you together. Let God add to your faith virtue, to your virtue knowledge, and to your knowledge temperance, and to your temperance brotherly kindness, and to your brotherly kindness godliness, and to godliness charity. Let him, let him build you up on this most holy faith. Uh, when the music plays, everybody in the kingdom will bow. Nebuchadnezzar said, I want every one of you to bow when the music plays. And there were three Hebrew children who said, we will not bow. And I'm going to tell you something. There's some music playing in our world today. Church, don't bow. Believer, don't bow. I know, I know you might like the sound. The rhythm might be catchy. It might make you want to tap your toe. Don't you bow. Don't you bow. That Babylonian rhythm, it doesn't belong in the footwork of the church. No, sir. No, ma'am. We are called out from among them. We are separate, saith the Lord. We're going to stand on the rock that is Christ. And these three Hebrew children said, I, we will not bow. We will not bow. And Nebuchadnezzar said, oh, yes, you will. They said, we will not. He said, what are you going to do if I throw you in the fiery furnace? And they said, well, we don't know. They said, God can deliver us. But he might not. I mean, I love their pragma pragmatism. They said, our God can deliver us. But there is the possibility that he may choose not. I mean, just being real here. Am I lying, Shadrach? Am I lying? He may not. But the deal is, even if he doesn't, we're still not going to bow. I said, even if he doesn't, we're still not going to bow. Woo! I've come too far to turn around now. My God, I'm going to tell you something. You'll grow to a place in God where you'll realize he doesn't owe me another miracle. He can, and I believe he will, but he does not owe it to me. He's been so good to me. He brought me out of darkness into this marvelous light. He set my feet upon a rock. He made my feet like Hines' feet. I dwell on high places. I don't, no, no, no. He can, but he might not. And here's the awesome thing. That wasn't a lack of faith. He can, that's faith in his power. He might not, that's faith in his wisdom. That wasn't fear and it wasn't a lack of faith. And here the guards come and grab them and throw them into the fiery furnace. And, and listen, Nebuchadnezzar said this. He said, oh, you think you're going to be all right? He said, I'm going to heat that furnace seven times. And Shadrach looked at Abednego and Abednego looked at Meshach. And they're like, did he just say what I think he said? You, 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 you mean you're going you're gonna to turn my fiery trial to the exact temperature it takes to make me what I need to be? You, 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 you're trying to tell me? Hey, listen. I want to remind you. When you stand before God in judgment... When he looks at you, he's not going to say, medium rare, thou good and faithful servant. He's not going to say, medium plus, thou good and faithful servant. No, no. He's going to say, well done, thou good and faithful servant. Into that. 
into the joy of that life. <laughs> My God. I go through a fiery trial and they bring me to God and he's like, no, there's still a little pink in the middle. He's still a little pink in the middle, throwing back in the fire. Hallelujah. Till all of the dross is melted off. Till all of the dirt and all of the debris and all of the arrogance and all of the ignorance and all of the foolishness and all the lust and the pride and the envy and the rebellion and the bitterness and the unforgiveness. Till all of it is cleansed off of him. And I'm going to tell you, when they heated it up to the seventh degree, my God, have mercy. They turned it up one degree, might. Another degree, counsel. Another degree, wisdom. Another degree, fear of the Lord. Another degree, understanding. Another degree, knowledge. By the time it reached that seventh degree, there was one in the fire. Who looked like the Son of God. Now, we don't know who that was. We don't, we don't know who that was. And we know there's not a second person in the Godhead. There's only one Lord. We don't know who that was. But we do know that when that temperature reached the seventh degree, it revealed something that they didn't see before. There was somebody in that fire. And Nebuchadnezzar didn't throw him in there. We threw three, but there's a fourth man in the fire. And I've come to tell you, if you let the Holy Ghost do what the Holy Ghost does, if you let God build you up in wisdom and counsel and might and the fear of the Lord, that fourth man will show up. He'll show up in the hospital room. He'll show up in the courtroom. He'll show up on your loneliest day. He'll show up in your darkest night. He'll show up when you're crying yourself to sleep at night. Why? Because it's the sevening of the saints. It's the perfecting of the body of Christ. It's the wholeness. It's the completion of a thing. Somebody lift your hands and say, Lord, do it in me. Do it in me. Do it in me. Do it in me. Do it in me, Lord. Do it in me, Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Come on, I don't know where you are on the graph. I don't know what he's doing in you right now. I don't know. Maybe he's building you up in knowledge. Maybe he's giving you a good, healthy dose of the fear of the Lord. I, I don't know. Maybe he's giving you wise counsel and making you able to give wise counsel to others. I don't know where you are. But if the Spirit of the Lord is at work, one of these things is happening in your life and God is building you up in holy faith in holy faith come on I'm going to make sense of some of your trials some of your trials didn't make any sense to you but God is going to make sense of it right now God wants you to know it's alright I'm working a good work in you I'm making you what you ought to be I'm, I'm building you up I'm strengthening you I'm making you wiser you're going to have a healthier marriage when this is over. You're going to have a better relationship with your children when this is over. If you let the Spirit of the Lord do what the Spirit of the Lord does. You're going to handle your finances better than you've ever handled them before. If you let the Spirit of the Lord do what the Spirit of the Lord does. Hallelujah. Come on, stand with me right now with uplifted hands and uplifted voices. The Spirit of the Lord is moving upon the face of these waters. Our musicians are coming, and we're going to seek the face of God in the name of Jesus. Come on. That's it. Seek him. Seek him. Seek him. Seek him. Seek him. Seek him while he may yet be found. I wonder. I wonder if there's a Naaman in this house. A Naaman who's wondering, how am I going to get free of this sickness? The Lord has a message for you. It's time to let God seven you. Let him perfect you. Let him build something in you. I wonder if there are three Hebrew children. You're not bowing, but you don't know what the outcome is going to be. Don't worry. God is perfecting something in you. He's working something on your behalf. Hallelujah. Elijah's servant. Elijah's servant said, you said it's going to rain, but I don't see any rain. And Elijah said, go look again. Go look and see if it's raining. He said, there's no rain. And he said, go back a second time. No rain. A third time. No rain. A fourth time. No rain. A fifth time. No rain. But on the seventh time. 
on the seventh time. There was a cloud, and it was as a man's hand. And Elijah said, you go tell Ahab that I hear the sound of the abundance of rain. It was just, all it was was one cloud. And we don't know if it was the size of a man's hand or what that means that it was as a man's hand. All we know is that there was one cloud. And Elijah said, that's all I need. The Spirit is at work. Even when I don't see it, you're working. Even when I don't feel it, you're working. I know he's working. A good work in my life. Come on, lift up your hands unto the Lord right now. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Come on, that's it. That's it. That's it. I'm opening these altars right now for somebody. I'm opening these altars right now for somebody to come and say, Lord, I need you. I need you to begin this work. I need you to complete this work. I need you to keep your hand on me. I need you to do the work in me that only you can do. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Come on, I need, I need some folks who know you need God to perfect something in your life. You need God to perfect something. Yes, yes, yes. In the name of Jesus. 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 Hallelujah. 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 Blessed be his holy name. Blessed be his holy name. Blessed be his holy name. Come on, that's it. The Lord is doing something right now. The Lord is doing something right now. The Lord is doing something right now. In the name of Jesus. <laughs> Come on, that's it. Let him do it. Let him do it. That's it. Let him do it. I know you've been down in the river for a long time. You feel like you can't get your head above the water. But let the Spirit do what the Spirit does. Let the Spirit perform and perfect. Let the Spirit perform and perfect. In the name of Jesus, hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus, thank you, Jesus. Let the Spirit perform and perfect.
Hallelujah. 